Blog Talk Radio. to welcome everyone to At the End of the Day with Brian Keith. Um, And first, let me just say thank you for taking time out of your day, whenever this is, whether it be today live or uh, some other time listening to it via podcast. I don't take it, um, you know, light that people would uh, spend some time listening to uh, myself or anybody else. Uh, talk about the things that uh, talk radio, talk show hosts talk about. Uh, I'm actually excited to be back, back, um, back behind the mic, so to speak. Uh, Anybody that really knows me, knows me well, knows that um, I often joke about being a talkaholic and uh, that I would be the first in line to raise my hand to say that, um, uh, it seems like uh, even when I don't want to uh, talk, I'm running into people uh, that want to engage me in conversation. But I, but I love it, and it's been a part of my life that has uh, probably been the most exciting and the most educational uh, because I've learned a lot from just dealing with people and just having these simple conversations. Uh, and so it was through a conversation that I had with another person that uh, that really uh, inspired me to start uh, doing a radio show. Uh, and so now I'm on a different platform on Blog Talk Radio. Uh, uh, previously, I was uh, in live and in studio uh, with a dialogue with Brian Keith uh, and uh, ran that for three years and took some time off. And so, again, like I said, I'm excited to be back behind the mic. And so I'm I'm gonna take some time during this during uh, this uh, first part, and hopefully you'll indulge me because there will be people that are listening, um, uh, you know, from around the world who may not know me, uh, who've never listened to my previous show or this show. And so I want to give people some sort of background to who you're listening to, um, maybe even why you should listen to me but also get an insight as to uh, maybe the perspective that I have uh, based off of who I am and, and, and uh, how I uh, live my life. Um, but, but to be quite honest with you, these conversations that I have with people on a daily basis uh, is what has inspired me to try to uh, do my part, so to speak, to try to move this country forward in a more healthy manner. Um, but obviously, uh, anyone that uh, deals with 
mental health or, or care of that nature, or even just in not in a, in a negative sense, but in a sense of coaching people to to, to uh, aspire to do better with their lives. Um, one of the first things uh, you have to do is recognize and acknowledge where you're at, you, the point where you're beginning. Um, and and so, uh, you know, there are, is a sect of people within the country who kind of just want to say, oh, well, let's just let everything just go and, and let it lie. Uh, and And so I get that perspective and I understand that perspective. And often that perspective um, comes from people who um, have not necessarily had to deal with the same struggles as um, other groups within the country. So I understand it, but by the same token, to balance this thing out, you also have to understand the perspective of those people, uh, of those groups who have had this repetitive cycle of uh, of living under this um, under this uh, this thumb I'll say that as right now but anyway so <clears throat> that is the goal and I do that in many different ways um, so but let me give you a little bit of background about who I am as a person. Uh, I am a 46-year-old African-American male uh, born and raised in Kansas City, Missouri. Um, absolutely love the place that I am from. Um, I, I, most people who know me know that, that if you're talking sports, uh, my sports teams uh, are definitely uh, the Kansas City Chiefs and the Kansas City Royals, uh, basically, you know, any Kansas City sports team. Um, so that's where I was born and raised. Uh, spent my entire time, uh, you know, age one through 18 through high school, uh, living there in Kansas City, Missouri. And uh, and then went to college in central Missouri, Um and spent four years in a, in a place that was quite a bit smaller uh, than, than where I was born, a town of about 3,000 uh, people uh, called Fayette, Missouri, at Central Methodist University. Uh, spent four years there and graduated with an undergraduate degree in political science. Uh, and then spent some time also, uh, because I am a person of faith, uh, was raised in the church, uh, and uh, I spent some time doing studies on, in the religious aspect as well and uh, earned a degree in religious education and a master's in ministry. Um, so I, I then uh, have spent time doing several different jobs, working in several different fields, um, and spent time in the military, um, and uh, have actually traveled to probably, I want to say I've counted, it's about 43 of the 50 states. Uh, I have been blessed to be able to now uh, say that I've traveled abroad uh, several times to several different countries. Uh, and so I've tried to bring that type of experience living 
obviously, to uh, to some of the things that we struggle with in this country. And so the title of this particular episode or this particular um, uh, show, uh, I, I picked it on purpose. Um, obviously, you, you want to uh, you want to draw attention. You want to uh, you know bring people in to to listen to the show. Um, so obviously, it was done on purpose. But there was a method to it, and and hopefully you'll indulge me uh, as I kind of talk through uh, those things this afternoon, um, because I do believe, uh, as a lot of people say, that we're at in a pivotal mo- pivotal moment uh, in time, um, and how we move forward as a country, and so. Uh, this show, Making America Great, The Redneck Way, America the Great, or America the Grinch. Uh, and again, as I talk about the different topics that um, that, that I'll talk about, uh, you'll understand why, why the show has been titled as such. Uh, but today's show, I really wanted to come from a personal uh, perspective um, I do like to laugh. I'll enjoy um, joking and things of that nature. Uh, I am not so serious, although I can be, but I'm not so serious that I can't even laugh at uh, myself. So you will probably, you know, hear or, or me do that, that from time to time. Uh, but not only myself, but also uh, some of the things that we now hold to be very, very sensitive within different cultural groups and some of the names and things of that nature. Uh, I, I'm not so serious to understand that we do, uh, in, in different cultural groups, have some, some norms. Is it everybody within those groups that does those things? No, absolutely not. And, and that's one of the things that uh, we, I want to kind of talk about uh, as the shows progress and the different things. But the show is, is going to be uh, gonna hit from a lot of different um, aspects, uh, I'm going to have some wonderful conversations with mom uh, once a month. Uh, I'm going to get into some uh, entertainment and sports because that's been a big part of my life, uh, playing uh, football, basketball, tennis, ran track, uh, you know. And, and so I, I bring that level of experience as well. Uh, but So I'll be talking about that on certain shows as well, diving into uh, today. I wanted to talk about a little bit about the NCAA tournament. I'm going to talk a little bit about the NBA MVP award and who's going to win that. Uh, I'm going to give my little couple of second, <laughs> I guess you could call it, uh, opinion about uh, the whole Nicki Minaj, Remy Ma uh, battle, if that's what, you know, because it blew up on Facebook and stuff like that. Um, and just kind of the current state of affairs here in the United States. Again, today's show, I, um, I'm going to really come from a personal perspective, as I said, in the sense of, uh, so some of the, the views that I may have, I hope they're not offensive, but I hope you understand, and I'm going to try to explain them in such a manner as, as so they won't be. Um, but there's this clamor um, of, of kind of laying, letting things go uh, letting them ride, you know, change takes time. And I know for myself, I'm really numb to that 
phraseology. I'm kind of tired of hearing that. Um, and some people may say, well, why? Because it does. Well, that's not necessarily true. Um, and I think that when we start looking at it from a, a micro perspective and what we require of people on an everyday basis, um, change doesn't have to take 250 years to happen if you want it to happen. So then what is the motivation behind why it doesn't happen? And so I'm going to talk about a little bit of that as well. Uh, so making America great the redneck way was not so much um, a dig at any group of uh, people per se. And so let me explain uh, why I say that. Uh, recently, there was an article that I read, um, and I want to make sure that, uh, so the actual date of the article was October the 12th, uh, 2016. So this was last year in October, four or five months ago, uh, give or take. But um, Bill Clinton, during one of his uh, speeches, uh, he actually used the word redneck during the speech. Uh, and he said, I'm basically your standard redneck. Uh, and so he was embracing the term, obviously, in a uh, positive manner, although we know uh, that it's recent most recent connotation and actually the history behind the word uh, carries a negative connotation. Uh, and, and actually, after he actually spoke the words, uh, there was a big spike in people looking up the word redneck to find out what the meaning was. But uh, so I use this within the title because it more so speaks to a mindset. So uh, the the argument that I that I hear often about having this conversation, and whether it be um, with Af other African Americans or other minorities, uh, sometimes with uh, Caucasians. Um, I understand that it gets uncomfortable. The problem is, is that if the cycle continues to happen, but just with a different phase, then nothing is changing. <clears throat> and so until we have a very uh, real conversation about this, uh, not emotional, not defensive, but a real factual conversation about this, then we, we're, there's change will never happen. And then what happens is no rational person who knows anything about history. You don't even have to be an expert to see. So this isn't Brian saying this. This isn't Brian Keith saying this. But you, you, you can't expect a people to continually be, continually be oppressed over and over and over again, not to ever rebel in some sort of way. I'm not advocating violence or anything of the such. But history just proves it time and time again. There's too many examples. So for people to call themselves educated, for people to say that they really care about change, and you can see that this is where this is going and where it's headed and it's repeating history, then that tells me you're not really as intelligent or as educated as you say, or you have some other uh, 
methodology going on. It, it can't be, it's going to be either one of the two. Either you're not intelligent to see where things are headed or you have an ulterior motive. It's pretty kind of cut and dry, but it gets masked with all these other distractions that people put out there. So there's a, there's a state of mind. And so what do I say? So why do I say that? So I come back to the word redneck. So redneck has been used since, according to this article, uh, since 1830 to refer typically in a derogatory fashion, as I said, to poor, unsophisticated whites, generally those inhabiting the southern United States. Uh, there's some ambiguity as to when the word began to be so applied. And then they, they move up to the 19th century, and it lost kind of its, uh, any of its overt religious significance by then and really was an element in the southern United States, primarily um, known to northern people as poor white trash and locally known as crackers, dirty eaters, and rednecks. <clears throat> and this was, which was a constant reproach, it being thought that uh, that slavery caused or fostered it. Now, this that quote came from the Daily Honolulu Press, September 15th of 1885. So we know that it held a negative connotation. And again, so Bill Clinton uses it actually as an, a term of endearment of himself because of, of his being proud of where he was from, uh, obviously, and, and I have no problem with that because I'm very proud of where I'm from as well. But he then takes that mindset into the political realm and, and then begins to govern by, with that mindset. And so what mindset is that? It's, it's, and I'm using him just as an example. Uh, but a lot of people kind of have a feel that redneck kind of represents uh, someone that's poor, someone that's kind of off, they live by themselves, they kind of have their own rules for, for living life. They're where the highway. You better not cross them because generally there's, you know, guns or whatever, um, that they're going to protect their way of living to the hill. And I actually can respect that because I don't think anybody who lives wants anybody to infringe upon their rights as a human being. Well, so I say redneck as a state of mind because if you go into uh, this thing called governing, and you're going to govern people who don't look like you or come from a different background, how can you do that if you don't look at those people uh, or those individuals as being on an equal footing as yourself? And so if you look at the landscape of who governs in this country, it's not representative of the country itself. Some people say, well, why is that a problem? Well, it's a problem if that's always been the case. And so you have to understand those who know. I'll go back and say this. The, there's 
contradictions so much in the way this country is run. Part of this conversation ends up talking uh, about America the Great or America the Grinch. And I, I will gladly tell you, uh, you know, my assessment at the end uh, of where I'm leaning and why I'm leaning that way. By no means am I saying that the country is, is, is totally uh, trash or anything like that. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm also saying that there's a lot of work that still needs to be done. And my, again, from my perspective, being an individual who was born in 1970, being able to see a lot of things that have happened in that time, um, and, and being someone who has studied history, I, yeah, and seeing the results of things that happen daily in life, things I've experienced as an African-American male, this is, this is where I've come. So it has to be a state of mind. Now, you could also talk to psychiatrists, psychologists, and, and we will talk about this on an individual level or with groups of people, but we fail to talk about it with those who govern us. And if you can govern with the mindset that you're superior to the people that you're governing, how can you say that you're governing with their best interests at heart? You can't. And so herein lies the problem with this idea of let's make America great. The current president has said it, but many other Republican primarily here recently presidents in the Republican Party has been heralding this aspect of let's take America back to the great days of our forefathers. Let's make America great again. Hmm. Now, that probably sounds really, really good to white America. What, what do you really think that sounds like if your skin color is not white? Let's take America back to the great days of our forefathers. Let's take America back. Take America back to what? To days when my ancestors were slaves, were treated I, so inhumanely, I could, I could spend a whole hour listing all of the things. So I'm not going to do that. But really? But you want me to then allow you to govern me and think that you're going to govern me from an aspect that is with my best interest at heart? Excuse me. Not everybody that has brown skin is dumb. So I won't say that it's racist, but it's clear that something like that is only to benefit one group of people, and it doesn't look like me. But we can look at this contradiction because it's, it's a cycle that continues to happen. You can go all the way back to the beginning, to the foundation of this country. I will fully admit, and anyone who has talked to me will tell you that the, the Constitution of the United States, the Bill of Rights, the, the Declaration of Independence, all of these documents were beautifully written. If you read them, you, you will see that the, to the lengths of, of, that they, and the depth 
of how they crafted them, I give them all the credit in the world. The problem is how it was implemented. Because while you were complaining about England overtaxing you and treating you unfairly, you were doing the same things to other groups of people. So, so either you did not think we were human or equal, or you're, <laughs> you have an ulterior motive. And we know back then, because of even your recorded history, that there was an ulterior motive. And I'm not saying every single white person, but obviously that's what history has showed happened in this country. We cannot run from that. Why can't we run from that? Because we continue to be led by politicians, leaders who have this mentality of superiority. And, oh, I want to now govern divvy out. If we're all American citizens and we're all paying taxes, excuse me, we should be the ones telling you how to distribute this money. Yet, it gets determined to us how our money, tax money, is being distributed to us. Now, I'm going to kind of probably ramble and go across the way, but I'm going to try to stick to it. So what I'm talking about is this cycle of this mentality of superiority. Well, until people come to an understanding, because if you, if you want to compare, I mean, it's not even necessarily comparison. There are great feats within every group of person that has walked, uh, walked the face of the earth. The sad part about this country is that the great things that African-Americans have done to help build this country are nowhere to be found in the written history book. Why is that? So you can't expect a people to think that they that you're doing right by them when you won't even acknowledge the great things that they've done. And even before the country became a nation, we were fighting to help you all. Yet we still, I mean, there are little things that are happening that are popping up. I mean, they just opened up a, you know, the... the, the uh, the African-American History Museum here in Washington, D.C., that's not enough. I'm sorry. It's not. And so it shouldn't take 250 years for that to happen. I've told people this, and this is a, a little tangent. It's a little far-reaching for some people to, to, uh, to, to actually have this concept, but you really have to examine the, the motives behind why people do what they do. I mean, I hear about this debt stuff and all this type of stuff, and we need to, excuse me, if people really cared about the debt in this country, it could be gone tomorrow. There are enough millionaires and billionaires and people that make that type of money in this country. If we wanted this debt to be gone, if we really cared about the, the economy and all this thing and, and what we owe, it could be gone. But there's a motivation behind why it's not gone. Because keeping people in debt keeps people enslaved to do work that, or things that you want them to do. Hey, I get it. And I get it that there, in, in life we have to work and, there, and there's people. I'm not even saying that I'm mad that people have millions of dollars. I'm not at all. I'm 
I'm for people, you know, hey, if you profit off of something that you do, that's fine. But to claim when the results of your policies absolutely don't help at all the middle or the poor, time after time after time, you have to question your ability to govern. Or, but now it is such a, uh, in such a place in this country where even a, a normal person, a man or a woman uh, who, who, who has great ideas to govern, may never get there because they're not part of this political machine now in this country. There are so many people that would be great leaders will never get the opportunity because they're not a part of this political machine, which obviously has a mentality of superiority. So that's why the show was kind of named that, that we have to examine the motivations behind what we do and, and the individuals that we hire. And it's actually holding them accountable for what they do. I've said this many times, and I'll say it again, we hold their, I will say this, <laughs> I did not vote for our current president, uh, but I will say this, I do agree with him on one thing that he said during his campaign, and that was term limits. We have term limits for the president. We need to have term limits for other people that govern us, because there are people that have been governing for 40 or 50 years, and if you have not changed in your way of thinking in that amount of time, not only with the time, but the change in the culture of, this, of the United States, then you shouldn't be governing. But yet we keep electing these same individuals with the same mentality and think that we're going to get a change. Then that's not going to happen. So either we're serious about change or stop giving us this, this I could, don't want to hear this garbage anymore. Because that's what it is. Either you really care and you want to make a change, and there will be evidences to this change. And I'm not talking about the little, because nobody should, honestly, you get to a point where you feel like you shouldn't have to ask. I shouldn't have to ask. And I'm going to say this from a very real perspective. I was in a conversation with a gentleman on, uh, uh, at the airport uh, several months ago uh, before the election actually happened, and we were watching some things that were going on in Charlotte, um, you know, and, and then there was some stuff uh, about basketball, so we, or football, excuse me. So we were talking a little bit about the sports, and then we kind of talked about that. And I'm not, I'm not ashamed about anything that I said because I didn't say anything that was wrong, but I, I just kind of expressed to him uh, that, you know, I, you get tired at some point. You get tired of carrying someone else's baggage. What do I mean by that? I'm tired. I'll make this personal. I'm tired of carrying someone else's baggage of what you think about me because of the color of my skin. I should not have to worry about walking out of my door. I'm not a criminal. Not to say they're not people, but I've not committed a crime. I paid taxes. I've worked hard. I've fought for this country. But even after all of that, 
there's a good chance that I might not come home at night because of the color of my skin, because I'm a black male. That should not be. Period. Yet it still is the case in this country. So don't tell me, understand from your perspective that that may not be how you have to live every day. But don't tell me change needs to take more time. No, it doesn't. It, this stuff needs to end now. Nobody should have to ask for human respect unless you're coming from a different motivation and you still see me as something other than human, which this country has a history of. And what I find it extremely hard to understand is we will go and spend millions and billions of dollars to go fight in someone else's country, yet we will not defend the people who have defended this country. Yet you say that you're on my side and that I should vote for you. Excuse me, I will not. And I've been asked, oh, well, Brian, you've got a good job. You, 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 you've been successful. That, just because I've been able to persevere past some ignorance that happened in my life does not mean that I never experienced racism, because I did, and I experienced it from a very young age. But I'm thankful and grateful that I had the parents that I had, because they really instilled certain things within myself and my two brothers that stuck with me and that helped me overcome many challenges that I had. So, that probably a little bit allows you to know, well, actually, I actually already said that uh, I didn't vote for the current president. And I'm all for the political process. And, and many times I voted and person that I may have voted for didn't win. So it's not about necessarily my side winning. The problem that people have and the many more people that voted for uh, the other candidate have is this blatant disregard for things that were obvious in the person that ran. And regardless of what your political affiliation is, because if you say, well, you thought, you know, because he was a businessman that, you know, made him the better choice to run the country, I still would question that because there were so many other things uh, that were in the common box versus that one pro. So then, then that leads me to believe then your philosophy is as long as I can make a few more bucks, I don't really care about this other stuff. And you can say, oh, that's taking it to an extreme, but that's exactly what happens. So I'm not necessarily taking it to an extreme. You have decided that making a few more bucks is better than having respect for women and women's rights, because quite honestly, you know, my understanding of what I've seen in several, many, several different cycles of Republicans is that, uh, and I'm not saying that I'm just all about Democrats, so let me just put that out there as well. 
but you run under this mantra of being conservative and you run off of, uh, uh, you know, uh, being pro-choice. And, and quite honestly, I have my own personal view about, you know, abortion. But during the campaign, it really came to me in the sense of this. Just like I don't want anybody to tell me what to do, and many, 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 many Republicans that I hear speak always talk about government staying out of their business. The contradiction, which, again, I'm going to continue to come back to this idea of contradiction because it's been there since the beginning. The contradiction is what? You only don't want them to mess with your money, but everything else you want to be in and control everybody's business. Again, I have my own personal view about abortion, but I was kind—I of, had to kind of step back and say this. The example that was used during the presidential campaign was uh, late-term abortion. One, it doesn't happen that often, so that was extremely exaggerated. <clears throat> but two, I'm not sure I would want the government trying to tell me who to select that has to die in that situation, whether it be the pregnant mother or the, or the fetus. I don't, I don't, so although I may not be for abortion, in that type of real life scenario, situation, again, I don't want the government telling me what to do in that situation. That is an extremely stressful situation already than to have someone who's not dealing with it in the moment trying to tell you what to do. Yet, Republicans, you're trying to control that here in America. And I'm not promoting it. But what I'm saying is you're being very contradictory towards this idea of Oh, Democrats just want to let people just be free off and do whatever they want to do. And that's not the case. So just as much as you were saying that the Democrats misrepresent you, you do a lot of misrepresenting on the other side as well. And your arguments, you don't really expand on them because I've asked many Republicans, well, what do you mean by making America great again? What do you mean by? And Paul Ryan, if you listen to him several times, he has also said, we need to make America great again. We need to go back. How is it that you're really trying to do this? I want specifics. Don't tell me about creating more jobs because you can have whatever side you want to be on in this political debate again. But you cannot deny, and many Republicans profited greatly during the last eight years during a President Obama administration. The contradiction is that you want us to be respectful of this person that is now in the White House who has so many things that that we say that we don't want a president to have, the attributes that we say that we don't want. Yet you couldn't respect a man who did have all those attributes, who did perform a miraculous job within the White House and his entire family, you cannot deny the numbers that we are better off now than we were eight years ago. We may not be perfect, but you can't deny that. But yet to be so staunchly on one side and not to be able to think about how does this affect the entire group 
as a country, to me, is psychotic. And that's not me saying it. I'm just reaching into definitions and understanding and having conversations with psychiatrists and psychologists. If we had an individual who thought things that weren't true about other people, right? And to just perpetually think that black people, African-Americans, are the negative things that get spewed on the TV, that get spewed on radio, that's psychotic by the very definition because it's having a relating to a very serious mental illness that makes you act strangely or believe things that are not true. So either you're going to say that you believe that we are human, and, and I love this, uh, this, this experiment that I would, I'm, I'm going to find out a way to do it, but I would dare for anybody to tell me that if I set five vials of blood in front of you, that you could tell me without previously knowing whether one belonged to an African-American, one belonged to a uh, Caucasian, one that belonged to a Native American, one that belonged to an Asian person, and so on and so forth, on down the line. I don't mean any disrespect to any, anybody that I didn't include in that, but I think you get my point. So people do get tired. Me as an individual, and I try to be nice to everybody. I try to be pleasant to everybody. But I'm 46, and I'm still get followed in the store. And I always think it's funny and ironic of how I still get treated differently depending on what I'm wearing at a particular time. I'm not trying to be thugged out or anything like that, but I like to be comfortable. So I like, especially it's cold now, I sweats on and put a hat on. I like, I like my fitted hat. And that's just basically because I like to keep my bald head covered. But I get treated so differently when I have the hat on than when I'm maybe, you know, after work going into the store and I'm dressed in a shirt and tie. So to tell me that it doesn't exist, it doesn't still happen, yes, it does still happen. And I'm not just saying it just happens in this country because <laughs> it, it happens in, in other countries as well. And that's why I also have said from day one, when I talk to people, this is more of a humanistic problem. And, um, and as I'm describing it, this is, has something to do with the mental psyche about how you see people. Well, it's not my fault that you have an incorrect view about me as a person because you thought you sized me up because of the color of my skin. That is your burden to carry and your burden to change, not mine. Because I'm absolutely uh, perfectly fine with who I am and the color of my skin and who I'm related to and all of those things. I'm not ashamed about any of that. So I don't, I'm, don't feel I need to carry your burden and your baggage anymore. Because I've done absolutely nothing wrong to you. I don't want anything that you have. And I feel as though I'm a pretty reasonable guy. 
So I'm dealing with this continually, and it still happens. So how long do I have to wait for that change to happen? I guess I'll be dead and gone as well before we get to a place uh, where everybody is truly equal. Some people think that I'm saying this pie in the sky is that it will never happen. And then, so that's why, you know, you have conspiracy theorists or whatever. But the things that I'm pointing to, these things are in your written history. We know that these things have happened, but they continue to happen in a cycle. And though the face changes again, they're continuing to happen. And so you cannot be you cannot then be on the defensive and wonder why people keep bringing it up and want to have the conversation and are pushing the issue about what are you going to do to change. And I'll go even to the responsibility of the, of, of the elected officials and, and holding them to a, a accountable. It's impossible for you and I to work the number of days that they work or are in session and actually work and still have a job. If we worked that little, if we chose to just not be in session, we would have been given a pink slip. So why, don't, why aren't we holding our political officials that are elected by the people accountable for their work ethic? So these are, these are some things that that I find quite um, interesting when I have these conversations about uh, the country and whether we're moving forward or not. The gap between the rich and the poor has continued to increase, not decrease. So obviously, again, those who have been elected have not been successful in doing what they've been charged to do. And then I have to ask, so then why do we keep voting for them? Why do we keep believing what they're saying? And then at that point, it's almost, you know, you don't want to make this leap, but then there must be a group of people out there who are still in the majority who have the same mind frame. And those would be people who would... Well, people say that they would necessarily be in the closet, so you don't come out and you don't definitively say what you believe out in the public, but you believe it behind closed doors and you vote that conscious when you go to the ballot box and you elect these individuals in who are blatantly not fit for the office. If somebody can truly tell me that you really want somebody who has out of his own mouth admitted to criminal acts and and real and multiple times over and over again denigrated women on every level if that's who you wanted to be and we won't even talk about his history uh with his dad in the business of being racist towards minorities this is who you elected, yet you say that you're not racist. How can you say that? Like, are you you're gonna either delusional, or you that's what you believe? Or the third option I would say is what I said earlier in the show: 
the money <laughs> takes precedence over human dignity. Now, if that's what you believe, fine, but don't tell me something else. Don't try to sugarcoat it and, and, and say, oh, I really care about change. No, you don't care about change because change doesn't take this long to happen if it, if it really needed to happen. Yes, I'm well aware there's a process. I've had my own process in life. The changes and evolution in my life. I'm a much different person now than I was, you know, when I was 20. Again, you're talking 26 years and <laughs> we're not talking 250. And then you can't expect people's patience not to wear thin. So anyway, what, I, what I'd like to then, um, I'm going to, I'll actually move on from that. I'm going to let that go because, uh, you know, I'll, I know that there are other things uh, that I have really, really enriched political debates um, or conversations with, with many people. And, the, and so those things will pop back up from different time to time um, as the different multiple stories that are out there continue to, uh, you know, flood the, flood the, <laughs> the airways uh, and, and social media and different things like that. So um, I'm sure that there will be some rich debate going back and forth um, about the different things uh, that are that are in the news um, and that I read in articles uh, because I do uh, try to stay as factually informed as possible um, about these things. And then, <clears throat> you know, that will be, you know, time for open discussion um, because I, I do uh, am open for that, let's just say that. But I will say this, uh, again, when we start saying that we want to make a change in this country, uh, let's let's see that from a different lens um, and one that's not just yours. But I understand because even traveling around the world, there's some things that are pretty common. When people have power, they don't want to give up power. When people have money, they don't want to give it up. And so they devise ways of keeping it. I get it. It's a game. But again, I say step back. Don't say that you want things to be equal, or that's what you're seeking out, or you're trying to help people uh, get a better life when that's really not what you're doing, because the policies don't show that. The evidence doesn't show that. You know, we have this saying, and we talk about, you know, the, the actions speak louder than words, where the actions aren't showing the change is happening. The actions aren't showing that you care about people. They, they just aren't. And, and this misnomer and this, this idea that you continue to try to fool the people that, oh, we spend all this money on social programs and the people will know. And it's public knowledge. It's out there. We spend more money on defense than anything. Social programs get very little in the grand scheme of things. So that's a lie. You continue to feed the American people. Again, make, let's make you responsible, those who are leading this country, because if, if we've elected you and we told you what's important, you're not at, you need to be fired. You need to be let go. Again, where is the standard there? 
But I, but I hope people get that at the end of the day, <laughs> the motivation. Well, let's say this: uh, even the uh, different, um, even the different uh, kinds of uh, businesses that are out there, uh, and they've done some research on. Uh, what methodology is better. And, and, and there's always some variances here or there. But they've shown that the businesses and the companies that, that include their employees in the decision-making are the ones that run the smoothest, that run the better, that have the least employee, um, you know, situations. Uh, so there are different things like that that I don't understand why people can't see the simplicity of incorporating that uh, across the board um, to try in this country as diverse as it is to keep any group down or to try to uh, you, you know get over it just doesn't make sense there is such a wealth of talent there is such a, a, a depth of, of knowledge and innovation within every group. And so when you when you create an environment, and, and when I say create an environment, to me, if you're sitting back and you know the results of the actions that you've chosen and the policies that you implemented, and you know that those things lead to certain other things, then I find you just as responsible for the mess that happens out here on the street. You're just as culpable. Because you know that it, it that the poverty the poverty level the the minimum wage is is not is not where it needs to be for a person to to live the way people should live in this country, and I'm not talking about those people who choose to live on the streets and and things of that nature. I, I'm not even talking about those people. Who make that conscious choice? But a few more millions in one person's pocket is more important than people having a decent sense of living. Because we know what happens when people don't. People revert to a primal form of living, the basic instinct of you survive however you can. know what's going to happen and you know the cycle but you continue to make decisions and policies that are going to keep that cycle going but you call yourself intelligent and history proves exactly what I'm saying so you can look at that and you can know what's coming but we continue to do the same thing over and over again so I say America the great or America the Grinch well, in many instances, you could say America the Grinch because America has, <laughs> for, I mean, I hate to say it, it's just factual, has taken, taken, taken from many different groups and not even given the decency to acknowledge or give credit to those individuals who've done those things. 
Nowhere, in, I mean, I don't say nowhere, but very little in history books acknowledges any of the great things that have, that have transpired from other groups other than white individuals. And so you, you have to ask yourself, well, why is that? It doesn't have to be, because that could be changed, and that's something that could change right away. There's nothing precluding that from taking place. So why doesn't it happen? So you can understand why people then have a very low tolerance, and there's a frustration that builds around this thing called you're actually working on my behalf. But so look, let me get off of that. I said I wasn't. I said I was going to get off of that a, a moment ago. Uh, but I did want to touch a little bit on the NCAA tournament. I actually have no clue who's going to win. I know there's uh, another game to get into the to the Final Four, but I am excited about the Final Four. It's nice to see some other teams in there. Oregon made it after beating Kansas. Uh, Gonzaga made it after beating Xavier, and probably there's a game or two that are going on maybe uh, now to see who the last two participants are going to be. Uh, I'm excited about it. Um, it looks like the, there's a very well, actually, it's going to be a new champion because Nova got knocked out earlier. I'm excited to see what's going to come down with the MVP race in the NBA. Uh, that's a really close one. I know everybody has their size and their picks, and this is not even a team that I necessarily like, but because of, of how I like to play basketball when I played, I Kawhi Leonard uh, uh, from the San Antonio Spurs, I think for me it's a selection. Um, he may not be fancy or anything like that, but because he does it at both ends and he impacts both um, ends of, of the court, uh, that's expending – a lot of energy, uh, and to be that impactful on both ends. And so to me, that would give him the nod as an MVP, but I don't know. He probably is not going to get it because, you know, there are some more sexier picks, as they say. Um, but anyway, I'm going to close down the show for today. Next week, um, we're going to uh, have a conversation with mom, so I hope you tune in. Uh, and we will um, actually continue this conversation, this political conversation about where we are as, a, as the United States um, in future shows. Uh, trust me, I have a lot of material, uh, but we'll dig into that next time. Hope everybody has a wonderful Sunday, and we'll see you next time at the end of the day with Brian Keith.